yeah, I could put on a pair of jeans and a t-shirt and put it on someone, but that wasn't inspiring to me. To me, getting 10 t-shirts, tying up together and making a couture gown and ripping up the jeans is where my brain wanted to go. So I just followed that. And then it took years and years to get to the point where I became who I became and people hire me for who I am and not just another stylist. You're listening to the MILF Podcast. This is the show where we talk about motherhood and sexuality with amazing women with fascinating stories to share on the joys of being a MILF. Now here's your host, the milfiest MILF I know, Jennifer Tracy. Hey guys, welcome back to the show. This is Jennifer Tracy. I'm your host here at MILF Podcast. Today on the show, we have B. Ockerland. B is a fashion activist. B started out her career, and you'll hear her talk about this in our conversation, started out as a stylist for low, low budget movies and photo shoots and things of that nature. And now she has become this hugely successful stylist, although she says she's not a stylist, she's a fashion activist. I'm going to yes and that and say that actually she's a fashion architect because she is truly a genius. And I got to go to her showroom for our interview and it's like a museum for couture. It's absolutely stunning. I didn't want to leave. It was really fun. And I got to try something on. I got to try this beautiful headpiece on kind of like a fascinator. I'm probably totally using the wrong word for what it was. It was really amazing. And to see her in her element also. I'm a person who my fashion sense is like 0.05. I wear the same jeans. Actually, I don't even wear jeans anymore. I wear sweatpants. (laughs) I don't like the way jeans feel on my body. Sometimes I do. Like if I'm going out, I like jeans, like out at night. But generally speaking, I like loose fitting clothing. Or just underwear. Is that TMI? Anyway, it's true. But I don't have like this kind of beautiful aesthetic creative eye that she has. She's just, she's a genius at what she does. And go check out her Instagram and you'll see what I'm talking about. It's B completed, just the letter B completed on Instagram. And it's her Instagram page feed. My God, I'm dating myself. Her Instagram is gorgeous. She is definitely a mom I would like to follow. And I did all the way to her studio for this conversation. I really hope you enjoy it. Before we get started, though, I just wanted to take a moment and give a shout out and a huge thank you to my team at Fullcast for helping me produce this podcast. Um, They are such an amazing team. Their work is impeccable. I couldn't do it without you guys. And I love you all so much. Thank you for all your hard work. So here we are with B. Ockerland. Enjoy the show. Hi, B. Hi. Thanks so much for being here, especially when I know you're not feeling 100%. That's okay. I have my sexy voice. Yes, you do. <laughs> B, where did you grow up? I grew up in Stockholm, Sweden, and I moved to LA when I was 14. What was that like, making that transition? I think as a teenager, it was a rough time. You know, I remember being a teenager, trying to find yourself was really difficult, and I wanted more. I wanted more in life and I wanted to get out. And my mother just, she wanted to move and asked if I wanted to come with. And I just thought it was a perfect opportunity to 
I didn't know I was going to end up living here for the rest of my life, but I went for it and I moved here and I went through all the things that you do as a teenager trying to figure out who you are. You moved to Los Angeles at that time with just your mom or? Just with my mom. Yeah. Wow. So Um, the rest of the family stayed in Stockholm? Yeah. My parents got divorced when I was six. Got it. So um, I just went with my mom and she actually cheated me into Beverly Hills High School because she (laughs) wanted me to have a good education. And we lived on Dahini on the wrong side of the road, which uh-huh. was West Hollywood. Right. And so she wrote me in in my godmother's house and saying that I lived there because it was Beverly Hills. And she's like, I can't afford to pay for your education. But, you know, I heard Beverly is a good school. And was it? Yes. And no, I don't know. I dropped out. So. <laughs> I don't know. Okay, so flash I don't know forward to... I don't know if it's the school's fault or my fault being a crazy teenager, but yeah. So you dropped out. How old were you when you dropped out? Well, I went to Beverly ninth and 10th grade. And then I convinced my mother that I should go to continuation, which is, is it's like an independent study school, which is like a segue school to Beverly, where you only go to school from 830 to 12. And it's independent study. You you study the books and then you get credit for them. And then with the credit is how you graduate. And I was always I'd like an A, B student. I was always really good in school and it was easy for me to learn. I just had other ideas in life, I think. And what were you inspired and, and drawn to at that time that you thought, I, want, I don't want to spend this time in the classroom. I want to spend this time well, doing. Well, it was both good and bad things. Um, I was super into fashion early on. I was obsessed with vintage shopping and I would color coordinate my outfits every single day. I had green Doc Martens with a green bra and green sunglasses and a green outfit. Like that's just what I did and has always been in my DNA. Um, But I also fell off on sort of like the wrong path, got into drugs and didn't really know how to deal with it. And I mean, what doesn't kill you make you stronger, right? Mm-hmm. So then what happened? Fast forward to... What happened was... You graduate. I you... didn't graduate. Uh-huh. I went to continuation. And then there's a next level called home study where you go to school once a week and you do all the work at home. And I have no idea why my mother would say yes to anything like this, which meant I never went back to school ever again. And she gave me an ultimatum. She said... Either you go back to school or you're on your own. So I was on my own. I moved out. I had to get a job. How old I were cl- you? I cleaned up. I was um, 17. Wow. I cleaned up and I got a job. What was the job? I worked at the Hard Rock Cafe. Oh, yeah. First, I worked in the souvenir shop. On and, Beverly? We yeah, used to be on, on Beverly. Beverly, yeah. And then I worked my way up to being a waitress. But I was always very adventurous, even back then. You know, I would dye my hair pink and purple and all this stuff. And I remember one day I dyed my hair blue and the manager came to me and said, that's not acceptable here. And then I thought, well, if I can't be who I am, then this isn't the place for me. And then one thing led to another long story, but I got another job at Bar Marmont as a waitress and only worked there for two weeks. And I got in a car accident. And from the settlement, I made $10,000. And at that time, that was like a million dollars. Sure. And I just decided that I should be a stylist because I live next door to this photographer and he 
told me you should be a stylist because he would always borrow clothes from my closet because I was a club kid. I would dress up every day and go out every single day. And I was like, what's that? He's like, it's what you do, but you do it on other people. And I thought that was amazing. So I just started. I don't know. It just, you know, I was really, I was really, really passionate about it. Like it was the only thing I wanted to do in life and nobody could stop me. Wow. And so did that photographer help you get work? Well, my first job was I did a calendar with these drag queens. But then I just met people that sort of took me under their wing and someone let me car and, you know, someone used me the studio. And then I just met photographers and then just like one thing led to another. And then I got an agent and, you know, here I am 25 years later. That's incredible. You just built your own empire. Really? I guess so. <laughs> From a car accident. Yeah. That's yeah. really incredible. And so where in that space of time, had you met your husband yet or? No, I met him much later. At the time, you know, I was very un-Swedish because I'd lived here for so long. So I wasn't really connected to like what was going on in Sweden. But I think it was 1997 or something like that. He did a video for Prodigy called Smack My Bitch Up. Yes, I remember which that Which went viral. And that was like way before social media and people, you know, were talking about things and sharing things. And I remember everybody was talking about this and like, he was so cool. I was like, he was too cool for school. You know, I was like, whoa. And then um, a couple of years later, I worked with this other Swedish director who was his best, who still is his best friend, Johan Rank. And the photographer that did the shoot for us, he's like, oh, you should do Jonas's movie. And I was like, what do you mean? And he's like, yeah, he's doing a movie and he's looking for a costume designer. So I was like, he's like, I'll, I'll set up a meeting for you guys. So I was like, okay. And at the time, you know, we had portfolios, like now everything's right. online, Digital. you have a website and all of that. But at the time you had to order this portfolio and I had a pink portfolio with a gold B on it. I was really proud of my portfolio. <laughs> it wasn't even all that, but I was like, yeah. So I went to his house for an interview and I was like, Oh, great. Hi. I, you know, I heard you're looking for a costume designer. And he was like, yeah. I was like, do you want to see my portfolio? And he was like, no. I was like, what do you mean you don't want to see my portfolio? And he's like, you got the job. Okay. And I went, I was like, he didn't want to see my portfolio. And I was kind of like insulted, <laughs> insulted a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> and then we did this movie called Spun. Um, and at the time I, I took my career so seriously that I wasn't even thinking that me and him should have something. And he kept pursuing me. And I was like, no, I don't mix business and pleasure. And you don't, you know, shit where you eat. And like, I was like, very like that. And I he, love that, which is so hot and probably made him want you that much more. I mean, he just didn't give up. He's like, no, you're the one. And I was like, how do you know I'm the one? And and there was a lot of complications to the whole situation. But, and then once I realized that, I dated a bunch of assholes and I realized, oh my God, this guy actually loves me. And he taught me so much about life and he was so inspiring to me. And that was really sexy. Mm. I was like, wow, I, f I met someone for the first time in my life that could teach me something about life and that could make me grow as a human being and make me mature. Cause I was, so, I mean, we met when I was 26. I was a bit immature. I was still a party girl. I was still all about what I was doing. And, you know, he really made me mature into a better person. Wow. 
Yeah. That's such a deep partnership. I mean, that's like the ultimate, what most of us want when we're seeking out our life partner. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. And how long have you guys been together now? Now we've been together for 17 years. Wow. I know. When you met him, I mean, you were young, very young, 26. Had you, did you, had you thought, I want to be a mother one day or? I did. I mean, I always thought that because I was so focused on my career, I always thought I'm going to be a mom when I'm 40. Because then, like, I'll be like, my career will be someplace, and that's the perfect age, and that's when you're old, uh-huh. <laughs> is what I thought at the time. Um, even though I'm 43 now, and yeah. I, you know, I feel the same, if not better, just a bit wiser. You know, he had two kids previously from from other relationships, and so I was a stepmom, which you know has has its ups and downs, and all of that, and and. A best friend of mine got pregnant and she's like, you have to be pregnant with me. And I was like, what do you mean I have to be pregnant with you? She's like, no, we have to have our kids at the same time. So she actually gave me a fertility doll that someone had given her. So she signed the doll and she handed it over to me. And I was like, and I didn't really think about it. I was just like, okay, maybe, you know, and I was 33 at the time. And within a month, I was pregnant with twins. And it was the most surreal feeling of my life because I always wanted twins. My whole life, I always wanted twins because I was an only child growing up. And I was really lonely, you know? And I always said, what if I had a twin? That would be so amazing. So when I got the news that I was, no, that I was getting twins, I literally fell off the chair. Like, I went to my gynecologist who I've gone to since I was 14 and he had this really old, you know, machine that I was like, I think I'm pregnant. I'm not sure. And and then he looked at me and he was like, Beatrix, you're having twins. And I I saw two dots on the screen. I was like, what am I looking for? Like, I had no idea what I was looking for. And I realized, and like my heart dropped and I walked out of that office as if I was walking on clouds. I felt like I had wings and I was flying. And when I got outside, because I was pregnant, you know, you forget things. Like you get very forgetful. I had forgotten my phone in the car. I was running to the car to call my husband. And I was like, you're not going to believe this. I was like, we're having twins. And he was silent for about a minute. (laughs) And I was like, did you hear me? We're having twins. And I swear to God, for the first three months, I don't think he realize that we were having twins until you go to that, you know, ultrasound where it's real, the the 3d and they're like, okay, this is really see their faces a and and this is B. And I was like, Oh my God, it's real. And you know, at the time I was working with Madonna and I was going on tour with her while you were pregnant. That must've been difficult. And I remember thinking to myself, how am I going to tell her I'm pregnant? (laughs) It was scarier to tell her than my mother. And I, you know, at the time I was just on a promo tour. So it was just like a month of travel. Being on a month of travel at that time, I told myself, I was like, this is my one chance in life. I got two children. I might never do this again. And I want to do it perfect. Mm. And I started reading about twin pregnancies and 
I mean, I never even held a baby before, you know, and I realized that they come early. There's so many thing, wrong, things that can go wrong. And so I just told her, I was like, look, I can't do this. Like I did the math and it's like, by the time the tour was supposed to be done is what's when I was supposed to give birth. And I was like, if something was to happen to my children, I would never forgive myself for the rest of my life. Yeah. So I made an executive decision that if I, can't, if I can't work for Madonna, I shouldn't work for anybody. And I just took the time off and I nurtured my pregnancy. I listened to reggae. I did pregnancy yoga. And I only ate organic food. And I was like really conscious about being calm, not stressful, and just happy. And I really think it paid off because when they were born, they were the most harmonious, happy, chill. I mean, they came early and had a C-section. And, you know, they, they were born, we were in the hospital for 11 days and all of that. But, you know, I really think that those things do pay off. Definitely. I have the privilege of knowing your daughters and, and they are exactly as you just described. Yeah. They're, like, they're very- They know themselves. They're, they're very chill. They're relaxed. Yeah. They're confident. Yeah. I like that you say confidence. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, I mean, definitely. Wow, I just have to share with our listeners. This is a first so far that B actually just made me cry <laughs> describing when her the pregnancy, finding out you were pregnant and how much you wanted. I mean, I'm I also was an only child. And so I I know that loneliness and as a young child wanting, you know, wishing for a sibling. And now my son is an only child and constantly asks me. Can you have a baby? Can you have a baby? And you know, I'm divorced and single, so I'm like, no. <laughs> so oh, we have two dogs yeah. instead. But um, that's such a beautiful story. Of- no, I mean, my parents worked a lot when I was growing up, and you know, and you know, I didn't have the privilege of having a nanny or anything like that. So I took care of myself. I would, you know, my mom was a beautician and she had a beauty salon, and my dad was also in the beauty industry and like imported and exported makeup and things like that. So I was always at their work and I was decorating windows and I was, you know, at the makeup courses during the weekend and things like that. But I always felt this loneliness and watching my children, it is the greatest gift from God. Like it's literally, they are best friends and they always entertain each other. Like they they don't have a dull moment. It's like it's like they're constantly having a play date and the best party of their life. And even when they have other play dates, that person leaves to go to their house. Their party continues. Yes, yes. And yes. it's really amazing and beautiful to watch. And it's you know I, being a twin mother is I, I can't describe the, the happiness and how fortunate I feel because you know, both me and my husband, we do work a lot and, but they always have each other. And the most beautiful thing is they always have each other's back. Mm. They do. You know, if one's in trouble, the other one will try to stick up for it. Yeah. I was like, no, 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 wait a minute. This ha- has nothing to do with you. I was like, I'm talking to your sister. Yeah. And she'd be like, no, but da-da-da. I was like, no, no, no. Yeah. Like they always. And that's it, rare. Usually with siblings, you see. Yeah. Them, when it matters. Competing. There's no competition. I mean, it's the opposite. And I was like, don't you want different hobbies? Don't you want to do different things? They just don't, you know? So I just have to honor that. So I want to back up a little bit and talk about, so you had a cesarean. You're in the hospital for 11 days. 
you're a new mom. What, tell me, tell me what that felt like. Well, this is the funny part because I'm a control freak and everything that I do. I had scheduled that I was going to go to like a twin seminar, twin mom seminar, right? And I was actually on a train to the south of Sweden to design the perfect stroller because as <laughs> I did my were. as I did my research and there was no cool twin strollers <laughs> out there, I you know collaborated with a Swedish company called Brio. You know they they, yes, of they do toys and yes. stuff, and they said, "Oh, we'll design your stroller for you." Um, but they were in the south of Sweden. Of course, I had to go to the factory to make sure that it was fine. And I had an amazing pregnancy. Everything was fine. But then all of a sudden, I get on that train to go to the south of Sweden. And I get this knife jab in my chest. And I was like, oh, what is that? I'm not sure. And my dad at the time was the pregnancy police because he's a bit older. <laughs> like, you know, he was like 80 years old, but he didn't have anything better to do. So he would drive me around. And, you know, so, you know, my husband's like, well, your dad has to go with you just if anything happens. Right get on the train. And then my doctors call me and they're like, how are you feeling? And I was like, not so good. And they're like, yeah, we got your tests back and it's not looking good. Your liver is starting to give out. Oh no. And I was already halfway there and I was like, no, 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 I got to go and like do this stroller, stroller. (laughs) design the stroller. And then um, my husband's mom, what does that become in English? Sorry. Oh, your uh, mother-in-law. My mother-in-law. Sorry. My head like Swedish. Um, my mother-in-law also lived in the South. So I thought, great, I'll spend the night at her house. But thinking, oh, it's close. It wasn't that close. It was two and a half car ride from where this stroller place was, oh, no. which I'll never forget the car ride. It was the most painful thing of my child. Like I felt like I was dying. Cause you're still having this chest pain. Yes. Oh and I get to her house and my feet were so swollen. I look like Shrek. Oh. Okay. Like I couldn't even get my feet into a pair of Uggs and they're like, no, go to the closest hospital. Like, and I'm like, no, 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 no. I was like, I need to get back to my husband and you know, everything is fine. So I got back on the train the following morning, went back and my husband picked me up at the train station. We went to the hospital and they're like, oh yeah, they took me in, whatever. No, I wasn't thinking anything of it because I knew I had my twin course the following morning that I had to go to. Right. And so they're like, they didn't say anything. They're just like, okay, you're going to spend the night. I stayed in this like hospital bed. It's in Stockholm. In Stockholm, yeah. And there was like this TV where you could put quarters in to like watch TV. And- I was like, okay. And then I was like, okay, but everyone knows I have to leave at 11 a.m. <laughs> because seminar. I got this seminar that starts at 12 and I cannot have these babies <laughs> until I know what to do. And so they come in the following morning and there's like two doctors, like they're looking at me and they're like, you're not going anywhere. And I was like, what do you mean I'm not going anywhere? You're having two birthdays today. And I just, I didn't get it. I was like a bit slow. I was like, what do you mean I'm having two birthdays? They're like, no, no, no. We're going to take the twins out at 3 p.m. So you can't go anywhere. And I was, I was more horrified that I didn't go to the twin seminar than I was actually having. The twins. Having the twins. <laughs> and, but I think because everything came so sudden, it was sort of like a blessing because mm. the whole thought of giving birth hadn't really hit my head yet because I was like, I 
I, you know, I looked at my schedule and I was like, okay, my husband's doing a job, so they should come this week because that's when he's available <laughs> and that's what we should do and this is how it should be. And he was shooting a pink video in Stockholm at the time. Right. So, you know, he, he was super busy. Thank and God I was like, he was close at least. He was close, yeah. but I was like, this isn't working with our schedule. <laughs> I'm like, what do you mean? And so I called him and I was like, you have to come. I was like, they're coming today. And I just remember the whole thing. I mean, it was kind of like a big, I mean, you know, I, 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 it's different for everybody. But for me, it was a very strange feeling having the children because the C-section, which no women really talk about. Like you just talk about like, yeah, I had a C-section. It's actually a horrible operation. Yes, yeah. It's like, it's very gruesome. Like it's, coming yeah. back to being a human being after that. No one ever told me this yeah. is horrible. The recovery and the recovery yeah. and that you're, you know, you I was in a down, wheelchair for yeah, two days. Or anything, yeah. No one ever talked about that. So I thought, oh, C-section, no problem, whatever, fine. So when, because they were six weeks early, they had to go to like intensive care and, you know, be cared for separately. And because my liver and the C-section, I had to be in another department. So we were separated for the first couple of days. And I think I was on so much morphine that I didn't even realize A, I had given birth. And then B, I was trying to get over whatever trauma my body was going through from the C-section. And so they would roll me into their section where they were to visit them. And I was like, oh, cool. And I would sit with them and, you know, but I was very out of it. I remember not really taking it in. And then I remember like something clicked in me. like. The third day, I was like, "Forget," and you know, you, you're. It's amazing how quickly your body recuperates and gets back to normal. I was like, "Wait a minute, what's going on?" I was like, "I just had twins," and I got out of it. I was like, "Get me off all this stuff. Bring me to my children." And they put us together. And I remember thinking, and I was just holding, you know, like you have those like um, breastfeeding pillows, yeah. and I had an extra large one for twins. I remember looking down at them and I was like, this is a miracle. I was like, this is amazing. And and it was just the most beautiful. I had realized, it was like the first thing that just like really hit me for real that this was happening. And I just remember, I'll always remember that moment where I was like, wow. I was like, this is happening. And I was so well taken care of and they taught me everything I needed to know. So by the time I left the hospital, I was a pro. I was like, I don't need to be here anymore. I'm like, send me home. I didn't need that stupid class yeah. that I thought I needed. Because yeah. everything I needed to know, the hospital taught me from feeding to, they were on a schedule. By the time I got home, they were like on a sleeping schedule, you know, and because I'm controlling, like they would both eat at every single time. They would sleep. And I like, had everything down to a T of like when they did what. And, you know, I remember also, we were hiring a nanny and she hadn't started. I was like, well, I can't go home until she irons all their clothes. And I had this crazy <laughs> thing in my head where they could only wear ironed clothes. It was a nightmare. What, what was that about? I have no, I just, just, you know, I had these, like, I couldn't control the babies. It's like, what can I control? Sure. So it was like, okay, their clothes have to be ironed. Sure. And I literally rhinestoned everything that they had. <laughs> they had... Swarovski crystalled rhinestone cribs 
all my baby Bjorns were rhinestone. And I couldn't rhinestone anything more. It was like <laughs> literally like their first pair of shoes were a pair of Dior. <laughs> I had Dior baby bottles. Uh, you know, I I wasn't working. So like my creativity had to come out somewhere. Right. So I put it towards the kids, even though they knew nothing. I had too many fun photo shoots. Yeah. They'll thank me one day later. Yes. But now they're just like, mom, what is that? But I would just like style them in all these different outfits and take these funny photos. And it was really like a pure joy. So how long did you stay? So you were hiring a nanny so that you could go back to work, I presume, because that was probably banging at your door, people wanting you to come back to work. Yeah. I mean, I waited, you know, I breastfed constantly and like the doctor's like, okay, you need to slow down. Like, you know, you, you don't have to do it this much. And then, but the great part was like, I got skinny right away. And then, um, I got an infection. I take antibiotics Mm. and they're like, okay, you can't breastfeed for the time that you're doing that. And by the time I was off the antibiotics, they didn't want me anymore. Yeah. And I was like, I felt really hurt. Aww. And then I I was like, okay, well, this is a sign. I was like, then, you know, I'm I'm free to go back to work. And so that's what I did. Yes. And how old were they at that time? They were four months. Okay. So you'd had that four months. Yeah. Which I think cocooning was cocooning and, yeah. and nurturing and which I think is really like the a good investment, yeah. you know, yeah. like you're, 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 they need their mother. Yeah. Like it's so important. Yes. And then, so you start back at work and, and what was that like, you know, after having had this amazing experience and then feeling as we do this connection to these beings that even when we're well, not have with you them, seen uh, Lady Gaga paparazzi video? Yes. That was my first job back. Oh, wow. I basically exploded on her. I had so much creativity to give that she was the perfect candidate. Yes. That it, I just, I feel like I threw up on her, like with creativity. <laughs> like it was just like, okay, here, wear all of it. Because I just had so much inside of me that had to come out. Yeah. You know, but now I've learned to let it out in, in different ways. You know, I just changed my title from being a stylist to fashion activist because I really fight for fashion. You know, I, I love art. I love creativity. I love emerging designers. And I feed off the creativity. That's what keeps me going. That's what keeps me alive. That's what inspires me to wake up every morning. And how do you now that the girls are in elementary school and in the second half of elementary school, I can't believe our kids are getting so big. How do you continue to balance that? I mean, because you're a huge success and you have this amazing business and this name and this brand and you're very well respected and wanted and how do you balance that and being married and having two children well that's an interesting question because before i had children i thought you can't have kids and work which is why i thought i should have them when i'm 40 right and that was a perception that i had in my own head but having children actually made me better at my work because I prioritized time. Time management really became everything for me. It became more where my life is a schedule. Like, I mean, even now, like, you know, I wake up at 7.30 every morning. I take the kids to school. I'm in the office by nine. Uh, You know, I go home at 6.30 every day. That's when we eat dinner. And then I spend between 6.30 and 8.30 with my children. And when they go to bed, I go back to work. So it's a little bit more efficient. And I really try my hardest when I'm with my kids. I'm with my kids. 
And when I work, I work. Mm. And I try not to mix the two. I try to be really focused on what it is that I'm doing and really time manage, you know? And I think that your children, if they see that you do something that you love, they respect you for it. And they understand, even though it's hard at times, and I see the backlash of me not being present. I mean, I just came off a three-month-long job, and I came back, and they were not so nice. And I was like, <laughs> what is happening? Like, mm-hmm. they had lost their flow, and they had lost their harmonious thing because I hadn't been around. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I got mad at them, and I was like, no, it's not their fault. It's my fault for not being around. Mm-hmm. So, you know, then I try to make up for it by taking the summer off and spending time with them and having alone time and just really trying to focus on doing things just us so that we can give back to that nice groove. But, you know, your children, they need you. They they really do. And and I see it all the time and it hurts. It hurts when I have to travel and go away mm-hmm. on a job because I know they need me, but they're so used to it that they've learned to cope when I'm not around, but you know, I have a, I have a two week rule where it's if I'm gone for more than two weeks, they sh- they need to come with me. Yeah, but you know, it goes in and out. It's like you know, I go away, I come back for a week, I go away. But if it's you know for a month or something like that, then they have to come. Yeah, wow, that's a lot to balance. And where does your marriage fit into that? Our marriage is the best when we work together, which. Unfortunately, it isn't happening as much now as it used to because, again, we try to balance work and the kids and living in LA and not. And, you know, we made an executive decision in our family. My husband just finished a film and he was gone for five months in Toronto, which was really, really hard, where we didn't want to take the kids out for that one project. Doesn't mean it won't happen in the future. But we just felt that, you know, they're in, at such a crucial time in their, at their age where they need their friends and they need it's such a big learning curve that we felt that for their sake, it was better that I stayed behind and tried to make do with that. Mm-hmm. So you didn't travel as much? No. Yeah. Which you still traveled a lot. I mean, I, I know I was watching you travel and, and I just wanted to point out listening to you talk about and. Because I've witnessed how present you both are with the girls, knowing how much you both work, knowing how busy your careers are. And then, you know, seeing you both either drop off or pick up or, you know, we had a dance party and Jonas brought the girls to the hip hop dance party. And, you know, it's I really admire that. But I will mention that at drop off in the mornings, B is wearing some fabulous couture that she's put together and her makeup is impeccable and her hair is blown out and her nails are done. And I'm wearing the same sweatpants that I've been wearing for five days. <laughs> and I just kind of go, well, that's me. And that's me. <laughs> well, I'm okay. glad you appreciate it. Cause my children don't sometimes <laughs> they're like, mom, don't wear that. And I was like, Oh, and it's I, so fabulous. And I really try. And, and and what's funny is I was the same way when I was their age. Cause my mom was also eccentric. Interesting. She would wear big fur coats and you didn't and, want her to and high heels. And, 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 and I was asking myself, what is it about that age where we feel like we have to fit in? You know, and I tried to tell them over and over again. I said, look, it's been a lifetime building the courage to want to be who I want to be. Yes. 
And I don't want to change for anybody. And I'm not even going to change for you. Yes. I said, I'm your mom. This is who I am. And you just have to respect me, you know? And, oh, I, and, I, and I just can't. I love that. I, I can't change. And then sometimes they're like, you know, on a Sunday, we're like, we're going somewhere. And they're like, mom, it's just activity day. Why are you dressed like this? <laughs> And I'm like, because it makes me happy. I like it. Yeah. It's for me. It's yeah. not for anybody else. It makes me happy and it makes me feel a little bit better yeah. about myself. Yeah. You know? And it's hard to explain that to a nine-year-old where you're just trying to fit in to what's going on. Right. And I said, do you want me to just look like any other mom? Is that what you want? And they're like, no, mom, we love you for you, but can you just take that hat off? <laughs> You know, and so these are things that we struggle with at our house, which also cuts to the fact that it takes my children like two hours to choose their outfit to go to school. So, you know, we always pick our outfit the night before. Right. And it's like, it's the craziest thing. It's not even like, it's like, do I wear that t-shirt or that t-shirt or that? It's like, but I, I, I've like created monsters <laughs> because I'm so into clothes, but they're so into their clothes, even though- they don't like to dress up. They don't want to be fancy. They even told me, they're like, mom, we're not like you. We don't want to be fancy. I just have to respect that. And they actually had a conversation with me that was very adult, but they put me in my place. Because I'm always like, you know, I want to put them in perfect little dresses and comb their hair with knee-high socks and little shiny patent leather shoes. And they're like, mom, we're not like that. We don't, mm. that's not us. That, how beautiful they're modeling back what you're teaching them. That's so amazing. I know. And, and so I've learned to just accept it and let them yeah. walk out of the house when they don't want to brush their hair. And, you know, they don't want to wear skinny jeans. And <laughs> they look like cheekless, homeless bums. <laughs> I'm just embracing it. Like, you know, I, that's, yeah. that's how they want to look. I so. love it. And they feel good like that. That's how they feel That's good. That's how they feel good. Yeah. I want to back up one second because I wanted to touch back on something you said earlier. You said you were more afraid to tell Madonna that you were pregnant than you were afraid to tell your mom. Why were you afraid to tell your mom that you were pregnant? I don't know because, you know, being an only child and my mom, all she wanted was grandchildren. And she had told me literally like two years before, she's like, okay, she has this thing where she moves every 20 years. So, you know, she moved from Poland to Sweden, from Sweden to LA. And then she's like, you know, unless you're going to have kids, I'm moving again. And it's like, I was like, no, 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 I'm not having any kids. And so she moved to the south of France. Oh, wow. Um, where she still lives now. And I don't know. It's just like, I don't know. What, what, how do you tell Madonna you're pregnant and you just want to walk away? Like, it was life goal, you know? Yeah. yeah. That's amazing. I mean, it's so inspiring how the through line of everything we've talked about today. And one of the things that I deeply admire about you, just knowing you, is that you really follow and stand in your own truth no matter what. It, I mean, it took a lifetime to get to that point. Yeah. And that's why I'm excited to be on this podcast with you because you're also a very inspiring woman and strong. And I think it's important that, you know, we support each other. Like I didn't have that support, you know, when I was eccentric and when I was growing up and, you know, people told me that they couldn't book me on jobs because I was too this or too that, or I was too loud. I wasn't willing to change because my heart told me something differently. My heart told me 
yeah, I could put on a pair of jeans and a t-shirt and put it on someone, but that wasn't inspiring to me. It To me, you know, getting 10 t-shirts, tying up together and making a couture gown and ripping up the jeans is where my brain wanted to go. Yeah. So I just followed that. And then it took years and years to get to the point where I became who I became and people hire me for who I am and not just another stylist. But would have I given up at the early stages of my career, I wouldn't be sitting here today and accomplish the things that I did. And, you know, and I have to thank my mother too, because she's a very strong woman and she, she always taught me, like, if you want something, you have to work hard for it. And she, nothing ever came handed to me. Mm. I had to work really hard for it. I did a lot of shit jobs that nobody knows about. I did a lot of movies for free that nobody knows about, but all those things gave me the life experience to learn from my mistakes and to grow stronger in my craft and my art, to, to have a more of a vision and want to give more and just giving me a taste on, on what that life is about. That's really inspiring. So we've come to that time in the interview where I'm going to ask you, I have three questions that I ask every guest. Okay. And then I have a little light, lightning round uh, questions that you just kind of answer quick fire. So the first question B is what do you think about when you hear the word MILF? Well, I don't know if you ever saw the, the video MILF money. Yes, I did. I styled that video. Yes, I didn't Jonas? No, my it? husband no, didn't direct do- it, but I did style that video, and that video was all about milfs. Every single woman in that video was a milf. Yes. So that's the first thing that comes to my mind. Yes. And what does it have any other meaning for you personally? I mean, I've never really thought about it like in the context of. I just think being a mom, meeting other moms, you, it's just you have this silent understanding. Yeah. You know no matter what your situation is or no matter what your child is like or whatever, being a mom is a job in itself. Okay. Uh, What is something you've changed your mind about recently? You know, being in this industry that we're in, it's really hard. You know, we, you go from job to job, hire to hire. You know, I don't have a nine to five, which is a guarantee that I'm going to have a job. And it's a really tough business and it's not always easy and it looks glamorous and all those things. And I think I changed my mind about the fact that I have to just believe in my vision and not change to try to fit into the system of what people want me to do. Mm. And that being with my family and taking care of myself is more important than my career. And, you know, when you're in it, you don't really see it because you're just going like a mad machine. Mm. I think I just changed my mind with the fact that I'm leaving it up to faith to see what my future entails. Great answer. And the last of the three questions is, how do you define success? Happiness. Okay, lightning round. I tried to curtail some of these for you, but I don't know. Maybe you may have some add-ons. So I'm just going to ask real quick and you just say the first thing that comes to mind. Uh, rhinestones or sequins? Rhinestones. Netflix binge or a fresh novel? Netflix binge. Go to the movies or go to a play? Go to a play. Daytime sex or nighttime sex? Nighttime. 
Texting or talking? Texting. Cat person or dog person? Oh, you know I'm a cat person. I'm a cat lady as, as cat. much as you could be. I it's almost disgusting. Cat. Sean Connery or Craig Daniels? Sean Connery. Shower or bathtub? Shower. On a scale of one to ten, how good are you at ping pong? Ooh. Uh, I'm a tennis player. I haven't played ping pong in a while, so I don't really know, question mark. Okay. If you could push a button and have perfect skin for the rest of your life, but it would also give you incurable halitosis for the rest of your life, would you push it? Mm, (laughs) I am vain, so probably. (laughs) Love it. Okay. Superpower choice. Ability to hear people's thoughts or ability to fly? To fly. This one's weird. I'm just going to get weird for yeah. a second. Would you rather have a penis where your tailbone is or a third eye? Definitely a third eye. Yeah, right? Yeah. No no brainer. No. What was the name of your first pet? To some. Ooh. And what was the name of the street that you grew up on? Östermalmsgatan 89. Wow. Can you string that all together? Because that's your porn name. To some Östermalmsgatan 89. That is Very so cool. hot. That is so cool. <laughs> it was, it was, she was, she was a like tiger striped cat. Oh, and, wow. And I actually had a nickname that my parents called me, which was Trisam. So my cat was Tosam and Trisam. Oh, gorgeous. Wow. B. Ockerland, your beautiful inspiration. Thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you for having me. Thanks so much for listening, guys. Head on over to milfpodcast.com. Give us your email so we can keep you apprised of all things Milfy. And also you can get show notes, transcripts of each show and tweetable quotes if something resonated with you and you want to tweet it. Thanks so much for listening.